Test recording. Test, test, test. Give me something. I have herpes. Stephanie, welcome to the Smoke Pit. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you making the schlep. Yeah, I, when you said, are you local to the DMV area, I didn't think I'd be coming all the way down towards Richmond. Yeah, no, that's fair. Although you did just commute to, what, San Diego for for, uh, for a gig? That's true. It You know, the flight out there, better than the drive down here. Really? I will say. The 95 always sucks. The 95 does always suck. Yeah. That's like when I have to come in, I'm usually I'm usually in by like 7 just so I could beat the rush. Oh my God. No, working from home has really just completely spoiled me. <laughs> for driving, I'd much rather fly. But yeah, the trip out to San Diego, uh, it was a quick two days uh, out and back. So I yeah. could do a little competition uh, with Best Medicine Brigade. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Uh, so I'll, I'll start. So Best Medicine Brigade was started this um, Miss Galeno Robin. She retired after 26 years in the Army, decided she wanted to do comedy full time. She decided to get a humor therapy accreditation and set up a 501c3 and so she does all kinds of humor and mental wellness programming and she came up with this operation hilarious to find the funniest veterans or military spouses across the country and that's that's operation heal areas right areas that is hilarious <laughs> she will love that. So there's a bunch of regional competitions across the country, and I just won the San Diego one. Outstanding. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. What was the competition like? Uh, it was definitely tough. I mean, everyone was really funny. Uh, the one we had was smack dab at the tail end of the Joint Women's Leadership Symposium. So they were ready to laugh. For nice. Sure. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet they needed that. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. How long have you been doing comedy? Just about six years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And how'd you get into that? So I started... Because you you had served. Yes. So I was in Marine Corps. Uh, So I got out. I was med-supped earlier in my career than I wanted to. Uh, And so I, when I got out, I'd been trying to find something to help replace that tribe, replace that feeling of belonging. Yeah. And it took several years and a divorce uh, until I found comedy. And I found it through the Armed Services Arts Partnership. It's an organization that provides free arts classes to military members, veterans, a guard and reserve, and caregivers as well. Nice. And I took a comedy class, and it just kind of clicked. Like, this was the way that I was going to help deal with some of the trauma of being kicked out of a marriage that I loved and the Marine Corps that I loved. And it just kind of kept going from there. Well, I think if, the, if there's one thing that kind of bonds us all as veterans, it's, it's you know, divorce and dark humor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, truly, I feel like I've gotten a full military career just through the divorces and the dark humor. <laughs> I mean, look, you know what they say, and, and I'm not the first person to say this. Marriages are like pancakes. There's no shame in throwing away the first one. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Feel free to use that. It's not mine, so you don't owe me royalties. <laughs> Well, I usually start off, so when I'm with a brand new audience or, or a new group that I, I don't know too well, and I always start off, um, you know, I served one contract in the Marines, but I love them so much that I married two of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I met my ex-wife overseas as well um, in Baghdad, trauma bonded over the, the death of a, a squad leader of mine. So what, what better way to start a marriage than since some good old-fashioned trauma bonding, right? I mean, it happened in Speed. It worked for them, right? That yeah. That is still, to this day, one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I So one summer, um, I don't know, I must have been in like elementary school. My, my aunt was babysitting my brother and I for the entire summer. Every day at lunch, we watched Speed. Oh, my God. Every day. With one exception, we watched Super Mario Brothers movie just to see Dennis Hopper in some other context. That's all. <laughs> just to see him as Koopa. <laughs> Instead of Howard Payne. <laughs> I can't even imagine the, the neural pathways that were formed after watching that every day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a, a, a severe mistrust of the interstate to start. <laughs> I mean, plus, I can't drive down the highway now thinking, like, if I slow down, we're going to explode. <laughs> so uh, years ago, I went to Antarctica with my mom. Ooh. And we were on a research uh, ship. And they only had two VHS at the time. This was in 2001. Yeah. And it was What About Bob and A Few Good Men. Oh, good it's, stuff. So that's all we had for three weeks to watch. That's incredible, though. That's not bad. It's not bad, but, it, I mean, it gets to be a lot after, you know, there's there's only so much you can watch Marines being dumb. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but What About Bob just, I to this day, I can't watch it. Cause really? Because it, it was almost every day. Okay. My my favorite bit from What About Bob was was towards the end when he's you know converse is hanging out with the with the other uh, mental health professionals and he he tells that joke uh, roses are red violets are blue I'm a schizophrenic and so am I <laughs> classic for sure classic Bill Murray so in addition to having a crippling fear of uh, you know, blowing up on the highway this one t- I think I can't remember if it was my first or second tour in Iraq I think it would. It must have been the second one because at that point we were kind of working with the mob over there. And we were working with this one dude named Colonel Foddle who I think he was a Republican Guard colonel, you know, slash defector who uh, whatever. But at some point we stopped giving him everything that he wanted. And he tries to win us back by, by proving, look, I'm in danger. I need you guys. You guys have to protect me. He, he calls us out to his house one time and it turned out, you know, someone rigged his bongo truck to explode. So EOD comes out. The engineers get underneath and took a look at it. Basically, this dude, like, duct taped a 155 round to his axle. <laughs> like, there was no primer. There was no igniter, no charge, no case, nothing. And and he expected us to buy that. And, of course, you know, we're sitting around pulling security just making, like, speed jokes about it. Like, if this bongo truck drops under 50, we're going to explode. <laughs> Well, going back to speed, uh, you do a little bit of screenwriting, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I've I've, I've dabbled a bit. I uh, yeah, I was one of the writers on uh, season two of A Grunt's Life for Vet TV. Awesome show. Thank you. Yeah, no, I I tried screenwriting, but the the final what's the final draft? Yeah, that's the I can't figure it out, and so I said screw this, and I started writing plays instead. <laughs> that's the only reason I couldn't figure out the software. Uh, I'm a fan of Writer's Duet. I, that's what I use. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? I, I. It's pretty... Once you get into it and kind of learn the format, it, it almost writes itself. At least the formatting, at least. It makes it really easy. You use that for screenwriting? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought I, it was Final Draft or Bust. No, I I love it. Writer's Duet is great. I, I think I have used Final Draft for something. I don't only really say that because I'm still getting, like, spam emails from them. Um, <laughs> or maybe they just figure out I was using uh, Writer's Duet and tried to pull me away. But Man, this whole time I've been writing plays, I could have written a movie by now. Right? Yeah. Could have written a few, man. <laughs> so what else are you writing? 
Um, so currently, we've actually got a, uh, a pilot episode for a reality competition series that we're going to be filming next week in Staten Island. No shit. That we're really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard anyone be excited about anything related to Staten Island before. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's not an exciting place. Can you give a little teaser about what the, the show concept? Sure. Uh, everyday citizens are put up against one another in uh, simulated life or death uh, circumstances that could kind of pop up anywhere at any time and affect anyone. Uh, and these people have to use uh, violence of action, uh, critical thinking, and decision-making to survive or not. Fun thing is, myself, um, my colleague, founder of uh, Pop Smoke Media, Dan Sharp, and our friend AJ are playing the uh, op four, if you will, the bad guys in this scenario, as well as the judges. Oh, and we got Angry Cop to host. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And so do the people on the reality show, they know they're part of it. You're not just going and attacking. Oh, they'll the find out. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find out at some point. <laughs> no, they are. They're they're conscript, conscript they're conscripted, if you will. Yeah. When does that take place? Uh, we're going into filming uh, Monday and Tuesday of next week. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. I've always wondered what it would be like to do more of the the film and screenwriting. As I said, I I do playwriting instead. I yeah. love the stage, but I I'm always curious about how it would be to have a life with actual filming and doing movie scripts. Write a screenplay, like okay. figure out the story you want to tell and uh, put it to paper. I kind of I'd lucked into it honestly. So I was working for a security company in New York, um, and we ended up getting this this new corporate level director he's making his rounds through all the regions you know coming around to introduce himself and he stops by the new york region holds a meeting and he's he's doing his spiel hey i'm so and so i work for this company i work for that company started my own thing sold it worked for this other place quit had a two-year non-compete so you know i couldn't work for a couple of years i got bored i i wrote a screenplay for a movie maybe you've seen it it was called pride and glory with uh ed norton and uh John Voight, yeah, whatever. But then after that, blah, blah, this dude just yada yadas over the fact that he wrote, like, my favorite modern cop film. And uh, it wasn't until, I don't know, about a year later that I was I was brought up to another position and I was over at corporate. Um, I caught him in the break room and, and finally got to, like, fangirl out a little bit um, and express my admiration for his work. And we bullshit about that for a little while. Um, and then I ended up reaching out to him uh, – a couple years later when I was getting ready to uh, to go to Afghanistan, um, cause, you know, I knew I'd have some downtime over there and wanted to wanted to write as much as I could. Um, and this guy spent like three hours on the phone with me, kind of talking me through his process and, and you know, what he did to, to kind of teach himself how to screenwrite and what to expect when pitching and everything. Um, and on top of that, one of the things I did, I downloaded uh, the screenplays to a number of my favorite movies and watched the film while reading along with the screenplay to get a sense of, you know, how how do I communicate that on paper? You know, because it's not intuitive. The transitions, voiceovers, people talking off screen, all that shit. There's There's a way to do it. And if you don't know what that is, you just don't, you know. But the, that process was kind of invaluable for that. Sounds like a lot of fucking work. It was. <laughs> it was, but it was well worth it. Yeah. Playwriting is a lot more straightforward. And I 
actually think comedy and playwriting for me go so well together. So I love doing comedy because I I'm, makes me a better writer, and I also get a better sense of timing. Mm. So on stage, when I'm doing dialogue, not that I'm acting, but for my dialogue, it just comes out so much better because of the comedy background. Okay. Even though I do a lot of dark or sometimes black comedy plays, uh, I just think the dialogue comes out so much better because I do so much time at stand-up. Interesting. Yeah, and you get that immediate fab feedback for stand-up and for the stage. Okay. Now, that makes sense. I mean, such a such a huge part of comedy is timing, after all. Or such a huge part of dialogue in, in any picture is, is timing, and you're not going to find a, a world where timing is more important than comedy. Amen. In fact, I'll give you a perfect... Ask me why I'm such a great comedian. Why are you Timing. So <laughs> <laughs> <And> Sorry. <laughs> no. Had to be done. I did. I did. Kind of had to do that to you. <laughs> so you were um, out there in San Diego. You were you were comedianing uh, under a little bit of duress, huh? Yes, I was. Uh, I was going through radiation treatment my third round. I've been battling cancer for about a year. Um, don't worry, I'm going to be fine. I haven't been going to the VA. <laughs> so, um, so you got that going for you at least. Yes, yeah, yeah. which is nice. <laughs> But I, I've done a lot of comedy as I've been going through cancer, and I found, just like when I found comedy when I was lost before, clinging to comedy really helped during this last year with cancer. It gave me something to look forward to, and it gave me a way to process some of the really dark, horrific shit going on with my body uh, and just my mind, too. So last year, during chemo, I took a a two-day break and went out to Vegas to perform with the GIs of comedy and Rob Riggle. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a fight with some of my doctors. Uh, finally, I found one doctor who was a fan of Rob Riggle. Oh, of course. So he's like, as long as you get a picture, uh, I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but the big thing was, what's the point in keeping me alive if I'm not going to be able to do the things I live for? That's fair. So uh, that really helped out a lot. And then for the San Diego uh, competition... I took two-day break from radiation, really intense proton radiation, went out, kicked ass, um, got back to the hotel, and just passed out from exhaustion. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the, the wind feels even better for me having to get through that. Oh, I'll bet. I mean, you must have been so exhausted. They must have had to have, like, told you two days later, oh, hey, by the way, you won. <laughs> well, one of the great things about the competition is that I won this amazing bottle of Jack Daniels. Ooh. Yeah, like a specialty bottle that I can't drink for a while. So the moment that I'm able to finally drink alcohol again, I'm going to be able to enjoy that win. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Bring the bottle on the podcast. We'll crack it here. <laughs> So what what makes a bottle of Jack Daniels so nice? That it was free. Okay. Yeah, well, one of the bottles, uh, our names were etched on them. So it was Ooh. Operation Hilarious, and then our names were actually oh. on them. So that's going to be fantastic. You can't eBay those. No. Uh, but the Nor one would I, you want to. True. The one I won in San Diego, that one you could put on eBay. My name's not on it. But it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's got dog tags on it. It's oh. a specialty... A memorial bottle uh, and again I haven't had a chance to taste it but it looks delicious I'm sure Yeah, I'm sure and the sentiment I'm sure is just gonna drive the taste right up oh absolutely yeah 
victory always tastes amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a whiskey gal? Um, every once in a while. But now that I have these two amazing bottles, I absolutely am. Yeah. Like I am now. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's a dry martini, mm. but they weren't handing those out. So Stands to reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the average you know, crowd, audience, member, participant at those kind of events aren't drinking dry martinis for the most part. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're drinking grog out of a canteen yeah. cup. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised she didn't just get like Budweiser as a as a sponsor. But you know, Jack Daniels has been a great sponsor for Operation Hilarious the whole time, and so they provided really great swag. Uh, got a cooler. Uh, yeah, I got like all different kinds of bottles and cups for mules and uh, bottle openers. So I've got enough Jack Daniels swag to last for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Depending on how fast you burn through it. That's that's true. The yeah. whiskey will last a lot longer than the than the cooler bag, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so what else have you been into? Uh, so comedy really launched like a whole life of art for me, and it really changed how I defined success in my life. So I was huge on throwing myself into work and, and trying to be the best at work and go through the ranks. I'm I'm a civilian, a government civilian, and I always wanted to just be an SCS, be at the top. And comedy really changed that perspective and said, there are other things that are going to bring you success and happiness. And so now I just kind of work to fund my playwriting and my comedy life, which is pretty great. Uh, last year, uh, I was appointed as an Arlington County Board Arts Commissioner. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm their first stand-up comic on, oh, wow. on the board. Uh, and so I work to try to represent veterans and bring more veteran awareness to the arts resources we have in the county, as well as also make the board more aware of veteran artists' needs. Um, but the biggest thing I've been into, I love playwriting. It's been a great way for me to work out some of my demons as as a spouse, as a former Marine spouse, right. and really take it out on my ex-husband on the stage. <laughs> so that's been pretty fantastic. Is there anything you're working on currently that uh, that you feel passionate about? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on my first full-length play. So I've done 10-minute plays and short plays and had some productions there, but I'm working on my first full-length one. And it's um, about a Marine. So it's going to take place about 2015, um, a Marine suffering from PTSD who is too afraid to actually go through to get help uh, and he finds a way to maybe microdose mm -hmm. uh, really before it becomes a thing before it's more accepted uh, and he finds this like old Jewish war widow uh, from the Korean War that he's going to try to convince her to go through this microdosing journey with him Okay, and so it's this, the story of the two of them linking together and trying to find their way through PTSD, her trying to find her way through all of the guilt from being a war widow and not helping her husband. Mm. And so that's that's what I'm working on now. It's a light comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it seems pretty uh, pretty light, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's an easy matinee to sit there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and how about you outside of the uh, the reality show? What else are you writing? Oh man, that's been that's been taking up most of my time. Honestly, it's been such a such a production trying to get the treatment right and, you know, getting in front of the right people who can who can give you know constructive criticism and, and, and you know, positive feedback. 
uh, or negative feedback when necessary. Um, yeah, that's really been eating up most of my time, like an overwhelming amount of my time. And that's kind of good, though, that you can be so involved with it. I mean, I I love the production of stage plays. I, so I got a run uh, off-Broadway two years ago for one of my plays, and I had to do the directing, the casting, and all the production. Oh, wow. It was a lot. I, that I don't ever want to do again, but I learned so much. One of the great things I learned, so I know in movies when you have combat and hand-to-hand that it's it's fake. Sure. So it's set up. I legitimately thought that for the stage, if you get punched or slapped, it's real. And so I'm going through with my actors, and we have four nights of the show, and there's a scene where one actor has to slap the crap out of the other one. And so he asks, from what side do you want to set up this this slap? Right. Um, and so he's trying to work through the stage combat, and I'm like, just slap him. That's... <laughs> and this is what happens. And he just stopped and he, he said, okay, um, that's not at all how that happens. <laughs> he said, we not slap the crap out of each other. So he taught me about stage combat. And I, I gave him a huge bonus for that at the end of the week. Outstanding. Um, but it was one of those fun things to learn that, like, no, on stage you don't actually hit each other. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, coming from the Marine Corps, I mean, you guys probably what, beat the shit out of each other recreationally, though. You think, why not? It translates well to the stage, right? Absolutely. What's what's a slap between friends? What's a slap between friends? <laughs> I Well, <laughs> it's a little bit more than a slap. So there was this one scene in A Grunt's Life Season 2 where me and uh, I played uh, a caricaturized version of myself, Corporal Goldstein. Um, and Corporal Goldstein and the uh, Afghan National Police squad leader were kind of you know standing off, getting ready to fight, and... I slap a cup of chai out of his hand, and he pushes me, and I rock him in the face. And after a few takes of this, I don't know if complacency set in or if he just got too comfortable, but, you know, I got to throw this punch, and he kind of leaned into it, and I end up cracking him right in the nose. (laughs) Popped him open. He's leaking everywhere. He hits the ground. I feel terrible. So I go down with him, and I'm rubbing his back like, fuck, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got my head to his, just rubbing his back, hoping I don't get in trouble. But did they get the shot? Yeah, not only did we get the shot, but that was the shot that ended up getting used. And that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So when you see that hit, you, you, yeah, know that that really connected. Congratulations on really going for it. Thank you. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta commit to the bit, right? Not enough people do that in their craft. I not enough you. people. <laughs> <laughs> Too many people are afraid to take yeah. a punch is the problem. Amen. So how how is the strike affecting you and your work? It is not because okay. I am not a uh, gilded writer. Okay, I'm not uh, I'm not a union guy. I don't I don't have that kind of experience under my belt. So yeah, no, it's not really affecting me or my work at all. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. I see what they're doing. I mean, you know, as someone who writes, you you understand what a challenge it is and 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 how involved it is and. It's easy to see how these people might feel a little underappreciated. Absolutely. And I, I fully support what it is that they're doing and the whole concept of AI and the ability of that to just drastically change how we create and view art. I'm I'm happy that, that SAG and WGA are standing up for that and um, looking at how they can best usher in 
art and AI and ChatGPT, knowing that these technological tools are out there without just getting just stepped on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just because there's a new format available, just because there's a new a new tool available to the to the industry, it doesn't mean that the people who have been doing this that have been doing this for forever are any less valuable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I saw that one of the things that the studios wants is to be able to scan an actor after one day of work and then to use them in perpetuity. And I'm thinking, like, why hasn't the military done that for years? I mean, they own us to just scan photos of us and just have us, you know, they can start doing those military-style parade photos like they do in China where they're just, like, billions of people <laughs> and just show our, you know, force projection strength. Yeah. You know, just the same photos over and again, like Corporal Goldstein and like 50 different <laughs> spots uh, to show millions and millions of people in the, in the military. Right. That would that would solve a recruiting crisis in a heartbeat. Right. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Yeah. There was. Uh, did you watch uh, Bojack Horseman? Yes. OK. So you remember when he disappeared to, to the southwest and, you know, and he comes back, they filmed the they filmed the movie without him mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. You know, same concept there. They scanned his face. They don't need him anymore. Exactly. Actors are obsolete. <laughs> my favorite episode of BoJack, of course, being a veteran. As a veteran, my favorite episode of BoJack was BoJack Hates the Troops. Do you remember that one? I haven't seen that one. Oh, my God. I think it was in the first season. It was with, you know, Patton Oswald voices uh, Neil McBeal, the Navy SEAL. <laughs> and they get into this huge altercation about a box of muffins in the produce section or something. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, I'm writing it down. That's that's what I'm going to see. I'm yeah. not sure how I missed that. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but just, yeah, just go watch it. It's <laughs> it's spectacular. So, fun story about the produce section. One of the cool jobs I had in, in the Marine Corps. <laughs> when a woman says to you, "Fun story about the produce <laughs> section," this is going to be good. Uh, this is a great lieutenant story. <laughs> uh, so, one of my masters is in uh, military. Uh, range sustainment. And so I looked at how environmental factors could hinder range sustainment and what the Marine Corps and the Army could do to bolster their training ranges. Okay. So in the Marine Corps, one of the jobs I had down at Marine Corps Installations East was to look at how we could bolster our training lands and stop encroachment, like buildings coming uh, and keep farmland in farms. And so one of the main things that the commanding general at the time was thinking about was doing by local, since we had such great farms around to use that in the commissaries. And so I spent an entire afternoon counting sweet potatoes that people would buy. I would stand there and count if someone bought a local a sweet clicker. potato. Yep. Or uh, like a South Carolina sweet potato. So I did it in the commissary in Camp Lejeune for seven hours. Wow. Yes. Wow. Tax dollars at work. I'm sure. Now, I have literally seen people get arrested in, you know, uh, uh, on the LARR or on the subway, like, you know, counting people in a in a in a hub like that. Did anyone look at you? Fun? Did they know what you were doing or did they just think some rando was just counting people in the commissary? I think they saw my look of dismay and then they saw, you know, my first lieutenant bars and realized, oh, yeah, this <laughs> – this was not of her choice. Like, no. This this LT probably thinks she's still on the land nav course. Yeah. She probably thinks that's a protractor in her hand. She's trying to find due north. Yeah, no one said a word to me, but I think they all just felt sympathy. <laughs> Pure sympathy. 
Well, it's it's not the most interesting produce story I've ever heard, but it's definitely the funniest. <laughs> yeah, it was the the worst produce day for me. Uh, to this day, I can't eat sweet potatoes. <laughs> wow, that's rough. Thanksgiving <laughs> must suck for you. It definitely does. So, how how long were you in for? So I served the one contract so during the surge, so three years. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, med board asked me not to come back. Yeah. Uh, which Politely is asked not to return. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is always tough, you know, and especially going in during war when all you want to do is deploy and you don't get that combat deployment. Yeah. The failure that I've carried with me for so long been mitigated by my ability to do comedy and be able to write that out and, and through characters in my plays be able to process some of that. Um, but there's always going to be that massive feeling of failure that I have with me until the day that I die. Wow. Yeah. So um, for all the, the viewers at home who can't see this, <laughs> I have a tattoo of a microphone and a pen and, and the pen is the microphone stand. Yeah. And in the back is a very faded EGA. And it looks unfinished. And I specifically requested it to look unfinished. Wow. Because that's, for me, that's what I carry with me. That it's always in the background of my art. It's always unfinished. My career feels unfinished. And it's just kind of that nod that I can't ever remove being in the Marine Corps, even though... You know, the Marine Corps didn't want me. And so it's just something that I carry with me. Um, But, you know, it's the feelings we all get tied in where we hate the military. We love the military. We miss it every second that we're out, but we'd never want to do it again. And, you know, I just I carry that through my art where I'm the biggest advocate but the first to point out anything that can be improved, particularly for the lives of, of female Marines, female military service members. Uh, but I, you know, I just try to process my feelings of inadequacy through my art at all times and even my comedy. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that with whom that resonates, I'm sure. And it, and it seems like a uniquely Marine problem. Like you know, the Army's got its brigade combat teams, and and they're on that deployment cycle. But no, as I see it, the the Marine Corps is a little bit different. They're you're not guaranteed a deployment the way you are in the Army. And I've I've met a lot of Marines who who kind of feel that way, who didn't get that chance to pump out, um, and feel less than because of it. Yeah, I always feel less than, and even then. You know, I got to do some really cool things in the Marine Corps. As a second lieutenant, I had a detail as an aide-de-camp, uh, which was both awesome and horrific. Uh, but And then the, the billet that I had of getting to work on range sustainment and stopping encroachment on our training ranges, it was good work that I did for the Marine Corps. I did good things for the Marine Corps. I will never feel like I did enough, and I will never feel like I was enough. Mm. But I will still love the Marine Corps every minute of every day and you're right that's that's tough and there are plenty of people who are in that situation and you know i i represent for all those who don't don't <laughs> feel that we are enough and sometimes don't feel like we were real marines yeah so i know you 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 use your work your comedy as an outlet for that um are there any particular pieces that kind of speak to those feelings that you've done uh, there was a, a play that i wrote uh, it's called Pot Shots, and it's uh, 
So uh, a male Marine vet wakes up in a hospital after a failed suicide attempt, mm. and through magically a mistake at the VA, his ex-wife is called instead of his current wife. <laughs> and so she shows up, and it's the two of them kind of rehashing what went wrong in their relationship, and a lot of it is about how he didn't support her, you know, in a very common where uh, she goes after him for not when someone thanked him for his service for not saying my wife also served you know he just kind of let it go and so those two characters really help process one my divorce from a marine Mm. but also the feelings of inadequacy and not being supported and the female marine having to go through so much more just to prove that she actually was a marine and, and did belong yeah Wow. No, that makes sense. Uh, a friend of mine, I, I'm, I'm friends with this couple. Um, I think the uh, dude's currently active. She's a, She got out a while ago, former Marine. And, you know, she tells me that every time she goes to, like, what, Harris Teeter or Lowe's and parks in the, the veteran parking space, some dude inevitably is like, oh, that's, that's for veterans only. That's not for dependents, like, just assuming that she didn't serve. I told her the next time that happens, just just like mar- don't even look at the guy, just march off, sing it from the halls of Montezuma. <laughs> yeah, just for that, I I tend not to park in the the veteran parking just because of the <laughs> stairs. Um, also, my great feelings of inadequacy. You didn't earn that parking spot, uh, but I have seen in in parking lots. I've seen people go after females that that park in those spots. Yeah, it's just. It's absolute bullshit because especially the people who are yelling at them are like super fat, super broken. (laughs) They definitely did not serve. Uh, They're the guys who almost enlisted. Sure. They'd probably punch a drill sergeant in the face, though. So it's probably better off that they didn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it's always those people. Those are the first ones that are always like, you're not a real veteran. Yeah. I, I never I never assume because you never know. But I will tell you this, when I do go to Harris Teeter and park in the veteran parking space and I see someone getting in or out of a car that's also parked in veteran parking, yeah, you better believe I'm sizing them up. I'm, you know, looking at them like, do you fucking rate that spot? Like, come on, man. Do you rate for that spot, really? <laughs> I always check. And if they walk without a limp or look like they have all their joint fluid, I'm the first <laughs> one to be like, you definitely did not earn that spot. I always thought it'd be fun to maybe set up uh, like a, a, a thing with the, like, try to get some content. People park there, no matter what they look like, run up to them and be like, hey, first and foremost, thank you so much for your service. Just want to talk to you for a little bit. What branch did you serve in? <laughs> and see what they say and see how many of them. Oh, oh no, I, I didn't. I didn't actually. Oh, oh, do you know someone who did? Like, are you married? To, is that why you're parked there? What's what's going on? Just kind of break their balls a little bit. Without being too gatekeeperish, you know, I'm not making the assumption. I'm not running after him. Stolen valor, but yeah, give them the opportunity to crucify themselves. What are you going to do when they say space force? Because you're going to get, you're going to get that guy who gets out and he's like, "Oh, I'm space force." You know what? I'd just be happy to finally meet one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy him a beer, talk to him, figure out, you know, <laughs> what his life is about. What kind of choice has he made to to find himself in the Space Force? I've been trying so hard to find jobs as a a civilian guardian. (laughs) So bad. So I've been an Army civilian. I've been an Air Force intern. I've been a defense contractor. 
uh, you know, active duty Marine, I so desperately want to be a civilian guardian. That would be a blast. It would be a blast. I don't even know what they do. Well, you know, they did kick up, I think, last year the uh, the Cislunar Highway Patrol, which, of course, the acronym is CHIPS. Like, that's too perfect. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the Cislunar Highway Patrol will need civilian dispatchers. Awesome. I could definitely do that. Right? You got the voice for it. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> You're like dispatching from Mars. What's your emergency? <laughs> So what else, uh, what other organizations are you are you playing around with these days? Uh, Armed Services, Arts Partnership, Best Medicine Brigade, those are the main ones. And, of course, the, the work that I do on the, the commission board. Uh, I, I've i tried to do some other arts, but I kind of suck at other things, which is fine. You know, I, I enjoy drawing and painting, and I'm terrible at all of those. Yeah. Uh, so for the most part, I just stick to the, the comedy and the playwriting uh, and the great thing about the Armed Services Arts Partnership is that they have all kinds of classes. Mm. So I've taken, last month I did a musical theater workshop with the cast of The Lion King at the Kennedy Center. Oh, cool. It was awesome. They taught us to dance and sing. Um, so you're not going to find that in a lot of other places. Nah. Uh, I, I've taken creative writing through them. I've taken comedy class. Uh, I've taken some improv. Improv I suck at. Really? Yeah, I've I've always wanted to be better at improv. So the thing about stand up is that you die by yourself on the stage. You know, you either kill it or be killed. But with improv, you have to rely on other people, and that's terrifying uh-huh. to me. Absolutely terrifying. Because you can be great and just not communicate with another person, and then you know you're both slowly dying on stage. Okay. Well, let's just just for shits and giggles, let's let's try a little improv bit. I'm going to think of like two things off the top of my head. Let's go commissary and sweet potatoes, just right off the top of my head. Uh, I'll lead us in. Excuse me, miss. Could you tell me the difference between these sweet potatoes? Well, one's from North Carolina, and one makes me super miserable. I, the answer I was looking for was yes, and oh. one's from North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm terrible at improv. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing either. Yeah. I you know I've I've been curious though my um my colleague here at at, at Pop Smoke uh, has done some some improv classes and and you know takes that up as a hobby and if he were local I'd love to come see him but you know he's he's out west now um, but I don't know like I've always been curious about it like what what would that be like and the classes are always fun you know Jack Mandeville right uh, n- I know of him of him so he's fantastic at improv. He is the one person that I can do improv with pretty well. So anytime we're in a bar or in a setting, he just picks a character and goes with it, and he makes it super easy. So we, uh, there was this one time he was in town for some event that he was hosting, and we went to a bar after, and we pretended that we just got married that day. We got free <laughs> drinks. There was the Cattlemen's... <laughs> Uh, so like the Cattlemen's Organization yeah, that was in D.C. And we pretended that we had just got married. We got free drinks from like seven different people just like <laughs> improving, you know, just riffing <laughs> off of each other. Uh, that's the only time that I have successfully done improv. And frankly, for the free drinks, like that's as much as I need. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the, the more free drinks you got, the better the better you were at it. Oh, Absolutely. I can absolutely see that, though. I've I, I've only met him once, and it was at um, you're familiar with the Reverend Warriors. Oh yeah. So uh, I was at the 
Reverend Warrior's Leadership Conference that was hosted at the Black Rifle Coffee Ranch down in San Antonio. Uh, and him and JT showed up briefly. And I don't know what Jack was doing, man, but he, he showed up, like, in character uh, as this big, loud, Boorish Russian gentleman, and he would not break character for anyone. He's talking to Danny, Donny O'Malley, and and you know the other IW leadership, and he is not breaking character, and he's like bellowing over you know every other voice in the room in in this in this ridiculous Russian persona that he was doing, and it was it was fucking magical to watch. Yeah, he is super impressive. We uh, we were a new couple from Oklahoma. <laughs> that's that's what we went with for that night. And again, like he just commits and doesn't break character, and that's what I love, and that's what I cannot do. Uh, that's I'm terrible with that with improv. Like the moment that <laughs> I'm, I notice that people aren't really into it, or like I get another idea, I like I just pop smoke and just <laughs> cut bait. That's fair. I yeah. dig the pop smoke reference, though. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> So what's on the uh, what's on the horizon for you? So I should find out in three months whether or not I'm in remission. Okay. So really, for now, it's just kind of being really vigilant, taking care of my body. I have so many freaking medical appointments, but I just started back up at work again full time after ten months off. Nice, uh, which was nice. That is the beauty of being a Fed, I will <laughs> say. Uh, plenty of time off. Uh, so focusing back on on work, I. I'm a project manager for Offshore Wind okay. uh, for the federal government. So focusing a lot on that, I've got this great uh, show coming up called Sense of Tumor. Yeah. Oh, so it's a, I like that. It's a bunch of comics that are either going through cancer treatment or have gone through cancer treatment uh, that's up in Bethesda. Uh, it's a it's an annual show uh, run uh, by Joey Friedman, uh, who's absolutely hilarious. And I, I was lucky enough to get on the show this year. Wow. Well, uh, what's the date for that? Uh, that's September 28th. September 28th. And yes. where is it? It's in Bethesda. Uh, do you know the venue? Not off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah, let me know. We'll plug that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, because of the San Diego win, I get to be in the finale November 5th out in Hollywood. <clears throat> yes. Incredible. That TV is is going to film that and show nice. it. Outstanding. Yeah. So they're great partners, too. Good. Good. Yeah, that's a kind. That's kind of their stomping ground and kind of their market. You know, they 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 dabble in the veteran entertainment space a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it was great that uh, that Donnie was out there. He was one of the uh, the judges. Oh, for, nice. Yeah, for the San Diego show. Yeah, yeah. His his earliest work, the the stand up and like the the original YouTube skits. Oh my God, that was <laughs> that was vintage. That was a special kind of gold. Do you remember his book? that he put out uh confessions of a uh, marine lieutenant yes yeah yeah so well before i knew him i got that book and that thing was absolutely hilarious <laughs> it was one of the funniest things i'd read in forever when i got that oh i'm sure being a marine lieutenant like i mean that's kind of had to have been your bible right oh yeah <laughs> i mean there, there's just really nothing better than a lot of great dirty porta potty stories yeah of which we have many <laughs> <laughs> Those are even better than most of the produce stories I've heard. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I will take a nasty porta potty over sweet potatoes any day. <laughs> At this stage in your life, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate tremendously you coming out here. This is uh, an absolute blast. And uh, 
Yeah, you said, what did you say, November, the thing in, in Bethesda? November, uh, September 28th. September 28th. Sense of Tumor. Sense of Tumor. And November 5th is out in Hollywood, the Best Medicine Brigade. Okay, outstanding. Can't promise I'll make it to Hollywood. That's but okay. if I can get to Bethesda, absolutely. I'll I don't know if there. you're going to make it from here. That is that is a schlep and a half. Well, I I live 50 minutes north, so <laughs> <laughs> not the biggest schlep from there. I do hate going into Maryland, though, but we'll see if I can make it work. I know. It is for, – for those Virginia people, it, having to sign on to a Maryland tour, that was kind of rough. I did – I've only done one Maryland show my entire six years as a comic, and I – until the sense of tumor, I had flat out refused to go back into Maryland. Wow. Just driving in Maryland is absolutely insane. Yeah. I think the only thing that can get me into Maryland is either if I'm passing through or if there happens to be a concert out there. That's it. There. Other than that, I have no business on that side of the river. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Well, all right. Again, much appreciated and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you so much for having me. This was worth the drive down. That makes me happy. Thank you.